Innal hamdalillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruh wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa sayyiati a'malina man yahdihillahu fala mudilla lahu wa man yudlil fala hadiya lahu wa ashhadu an la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika lahu wa ashhadu anna muhammadan 'abduhu wa rasuluhu amma ba'd تريذن باب قول الله تعالى وما كنتم تستترون ان يشهد عليكم سمعكم ولا ابصاركم ولا جلودكم ولكن ظننتم ان الله لا يعلم كثيرا مما تعملون قال حدثنا الحميدي قال حدثنا سفيان قال حدثنا منصور عن مجاهد عن ابي معمر عن عبد الله رضي الله عنه قال اجتمع عند البيت ثقفيان وقرشي او قرشيان وثقافي كثير او كثيره شحم بطونهم قليله فقه قلوبهم فقال احدهم أترون أن الله يسمع ما نقول قال الآخر يسمع إن جهرنا ولا يسمع إن أخفينا وقال الآخر إن كان يسمع إذا جهرنا فإنه يسمع إذا أخفينا فأنزل الله تعالى وما كنتم تستترون ان يشهد عليكم سمعكم ولا ابصاركم ولا جلودكم so this chapter then now the chapter where al-imam al-bukhari begins by quoting from surah fussilat 22 وَمَا كُنْتُمْ تَسْتَتِرُونَ أَنْ يَشْهَدَ عَلَيْكُمْ سَمْعُكُمْ وَلَا أَبْصَارُكُمْ وَلَا جُلُودُكُمْ الْآيَةِ And then he quotes the hadith regarding that ayah and the reason why that ayah was revealed. And this is often quoted in books known as the books of Asbabu nuzul You have certain books written by scholars where in those books they explain the reason behind or the story behind why a particular ayah was revealed. There may have been some incident that occurred. There may have been some background, something took place, and then the ayah was revealed there. So here this hadith is a background to this ayah. The ayah where it's being mentioned that you are not concealing yourselves uh, thinking that that there would be testimony upon you from your hearing and your seeing and your skins as we know on the day of judgment your body parts will testify against you your own hands and your feet and your skin will testify against you and the actions that you used to do so the ayah is mentioning that and then it says but you thought that allah would not know or does not know 
much of what you do. In the hadith it mentions that in a house there were two men from the Thaqafi tribe and one Qurashi or two Qurashis and one Thaqafi. Kathiratun shahmu butunihim that they were as you say these days big boned well built they ate well and qalilatun fiqh qulubihim and they had very little knowledge and understanding in their hearts they ate a lot but they had little understanding faqala ahaduhum so one of them said do you think that Allah hears what we're saying. Another one said, He hears us if we speak out loud. But He doesn't hear us if we are quiet. Another one said, If Allah hears us when we speak out loud, then He can hear us when we are quiet. And then the ayah was revealed in that context. وَمَا كُنْتُمْ تَسْتَتِرُونَ And the meaning of وَمَا كُنْتُمْ تَسْتَتِرُونَ That you were not concealing yourselves. اَيْ مَا كُنْتُمْ تَسْتَخْفُونَ بِالْمَعَاصِي مِنَ الشِّرْكِ فَمَا دُونَهُ خَشْيَةَ أَنْ يَشْهَدَ عَلَيْكُمْ سَمْعُكُمْ وَلَا أَبْصَارُكُمْ وَلَا جُلُودُكُمْ أَوْ لِأَلَّا يَشْهَدَ عَلَيْكُمْ سَمْعُكُمْ وَلَا أَبْصَارُكُمْ وَلَا جُلُودُكُمْ لِأَنَّكُمْ لَا تُؤْمِنُونَ بِهَذَا That you people were not concealing yourselves when committing your shirk or your sins. You were not concealing yourselves when committing these evils because they did not believe that there would be testimony that occurs against them from their own body parts and their skin and their hands and their feet. So they were not concealing themselves. لَأَنَّكُمْ لَا تُؤْمِنُونَ بِهَذَا ثُمَّ قَالْ وَلَكِنْ ظَرَنْتُمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَعْلَمُ كَثِيرًا مِمَّا تَعْمَلُونَ And you thought that Allah is not aware of much of what you do. وَذَلِكُمْ ظَنُّكُمُ الَّذِي ظَنَنْتُمْ بِرَبِّكُمْ أَرْدَاكُمْ فَأَصْبَحْتُمْ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ This is your thought of what you thought regarding your Lord. But Allah mentions أَصْبَحْتُمْ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ that you are from, you have become from the losers. This chapter then, هذا الباب عقده المؤلف رحمه الله لإثبات علم الله. The point of this chapter, this narration about these men saying, do you think Allah can hear us in what we're saying? And the ayah being revealed about how your body parts will testify against you, but you thought Allah would not know. The purpose of all of this is to highlight the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah's knowledge encompasses everything. And we discussed that before in a little bit of detail. When we talked about regarding The decree, when we were on the chapters discussing the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the qadr, the decree, within that chapter, 
we talked about this and we touched upon this the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the all-encompassing knowledge of Allah where did we touch upon that in the topic of the decree because if somebody asks you the same person who was asking you last week that same person turns up and this time he says what's you Salafi saying about the decree what do you say about the belief in the decree what is your position about that then what are you going to tell them hands up if you know otherwise it's going to be the second week in a row he refutes you one two three the man comes to you and says you Salafis what is your position on the decree what do you say about the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one of the pillars of Iman what do you Salafis say about that so what are you going to tell him only three people are going to be able to answer you laughed out loud you dare to laugh so then you have the answer too or not what are you going to answer in terms of the decree if he asks you about the decree what is going to be the answer only three still four five only five six put your hands up if you know somebody comes to you and asks you what do you say about the decree what is your belief in the decree what are you going to say only six people out of this whole room are going to be able to answer nobody else only the six even the child knows and the adults are sitting here and they do not know the sixth pillar of iman the sixth pillar of iman how many times have we come across the pillars of iman you do a class and you advertise it as the six pillars of iman and the brothers they say that's too easy we've done that mashallah and now the sixth pillar of iman somebody comes and asks you tell us about the decree and we cannot answer how can that be we've mentioned many times a very brief explanation not even detail only once I remember myself personally I don't know about other teachers and lecturers maybe there are many recordings out there myself I remember only once teaching the topic of the decree in detail or reasonable detail it took nine sessions nine or ten sessions nine or ten weeks just on the topic of the decree when we do it in these books and we cover it in these chapters we barely do a couple of classes go over the main topics and the sections and the main sections regarding the decree the aqeedah of ahl sunnah wal jama'ah about the decree is that there are four parts to remember there are four aspects of the decree to explain somebody asks you about the decree you tell them there are four main things regarding the decree the first is that the knowledge of Allah the knowledge of Allah that encompasses everything we believe that Allah his knowledge encompasses everything past present and future 
and even those things that do not occur hypothetically if they were to occur Allah knows how they would have occurred and what would have happened the past of what occurred the present of what is occurring the future of what will occur and then even the hypothetical if it were to occur Allah knows how this and that would have occurred the knowledge of Allah that encompasses everything that is the first aspect of our belief regarding the decree Allah who decreed everything then certainly his knowledge encompasses everything the knowledge of Allah encompasses all the sounds the movements the silences in the darkness in the light everything the ayah which the scholars quote as an example where it mentions that not a single leaf falls off any tree except that Allah is aware of it so imagine the number of trees in the world and then imagine the number of leaves on all of those trees just the trees how many trees are there in the world it's not millions it's not billions it's the number above the billions trillions or whatever they say but then imagine the multiplication of how many leaves per tree figures which are incomputable huge figures that would go beyond your handheld uh, what do you call it calculator they would go beyond your calculator you'd end up with the e-figure thing but any leaf that falls off any tree anywhere in the world then Allah is aware of it Al-Imam Al-Qurtubi said in his tafsir that Allah knows every leaf any leaf anywhere it is that falls off the tree Allah knows it Allah knows how long it flutters in the air and exactly the location it lands on on the ground the knowledge of Allah encompassing everything then the second aspect of the belief in the decree that it's all written down in the preserved tablet Allah wrote that decree all of it in the preserved tablet everything written and recorded and that was done 50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth just like in the hadith Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote down the decree of everything 50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth and his throne was above the water in another narration when Allah first created the pen Allah said to it write the pen said what shall I write Allah said write all of that which is to occur up until the day of judgment the decree written in the preserved tablet then the third aspect of the decree Allah ما شاء الله كان وما لم يشاء لم يكن whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills then it occurs and whatever he does not will 
then it does not occur. Mashi'atullah, that we spoke about in a little bit of detail in one of the classes, the iradatan, al-iradah al-kawniyah, and al-iradah al-shari'iyah, the will of Allah in the creational sense, and the will of Allah in that which He loves. We spoke about that in a previous lesson. And then the fourth aspect of the decree, al-khalq, that Allah created all of this, everything in the decree, all of this creation. That is the basics of the pillars of Iman. I go to some classes and brothers, they say, Akhi, you should explain in more detail some of these things. We don't even memorize the simple things. That is a calamity. The six pillars of Iman. How long have we been having these classes now? Some of the people have been attending for so long. It cannot be the case that we do not have an understanding of the basics of the religion. The six pillars of Iman in the three fundamental principles. It's there in the Hadith of Jibreel. It's there in all of these various other books. Anybody comes to you now, your father, your mother, your family, your relatives. They say, you Salafis then, explain to me what the Aqeedah is, what the six pillars are. How can it be that you cannot explain that? Those basics we should all know properly. Those four principles of the decree, the number of times we've mentioned them throughout the classes in different places, lost count of them how many times you've done it. Simple things that are mentioned often, and we don't go into detail, those basics. If those basics can be at least learned, that is somewhere to begin. Before the people come and say, but we need more detail in the explanations. Purposely, we don't read everything. If we read everything from this explanation of a Shaykh al mean, we'd only be a quarter or a half of the way through the book. And still, nobody or rarely, barely anybody would have memorized all of that. So it's not about quantity. It's about the quality, as they say. Ba the basics, the core aspects, the principles, the usul. We should all know those properly. We should all have those memorized properly. Those basics books, basic books that we've mentioned so many times. Al-Qawa'id al-Arba'a. We should all know those four basic principles. Al-Usulu Sitta. The six fundamental principles. We should know what those six are. Six basic principles of Salafiyyah. The three fundamental principles, we should know what they are. Kashfa Shubuhat, we should have an understanding of those doubts that are mentioned and the answers to them. These are common, common knowledge that a Salafi should have. Basics of Aqeedah and Tawheed in those books. They are beginner books. Beginner books that everybody should have a good understanding of. So here, it mentioned regarding or the, the, the six pillars of Iman we were speaking of there and the decree in particular and the four aspects of the decree. And then it mentions here, This chapter the author has put it down in order to affirm the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. كَعِلْمِهِ لِمَا ظَهَرَ أَنَعْمْ عِلْمُ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى لِمَا خَفِيَا كَعِلْمِهِ لِمَا ظَهَرَ The knowledge of Allah 
regarding that which is concealed, just as his knowledge regarding that which is apparent and open, the knowledge of Allah that, that covers every affair. So these individuals were hiding themselves in their homes, hiding themselves in their homes, and they were there discussing and planning that which is not pleasing to Allah from the speech. Because of their thought that their body parts would not testify against them. Their hearing and their seeing and their skins لأنهم لا يؤمنون بذلك لكن يظنون أنهم إذا استتروا عن أعين الناس استتروا عن علم الله Because they do not believe in that They do not believe that their body parts will testify against them on that day In this narration those men They believe that if they conceal themselves in their homes That they will be concealed from the knowledge of Allah if they conceal themselves in their homes, they will be concealed from the knowledge of Allah. Qala ibn Hajar, rahimahullah, qawluhu bab, qawlihi ta'ala, wa ma kuntum testatiruna an yashhada alaykum sam'ukum wa la abisarukum al-ayah, saqa fi riwayatin karimah al-ayah, kullaha, ذكر فيه حديث أو ذكر فيه حديث عبد الله وهو ابن مسعود اجتمع عند البيت وفيه يسمع إن جهرنا ولا يسمع إن أخفينا فأنزل الله تعالى وما كنتم تستترون the point here he quotes Ibn Hajar uh, stating the same point regarding the ayah being revealed for that context and for that purpose Ibn Battal he says, غرض البخاري في هذا الباب إثبات السمع لله The affirmation of the hearing of Allah That is also an objective in this chapter وأطال في تقرير ذلك وقد تقدم في أوائل التوحيد في قوله وكان الله سميعا بصيرا And that is already mentioned in the ayah وكان الله سميعا بصيرا that Allah is the all-hearing, the all-seeing. وَالَّذِي أَقُولْ إِنَّ غَرَضَهُ فِي هَذَا الْبَابِ إِثْبَاتُ مَا ذَهَبَ إِلَيْهِ أَنَّ اللَّهَ يَتَكَلَّمُ مَتَى شَاءَ وَهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ مِنْ أَمْثِلَةِ إِنْزَالِ الْآيَةِ بَعْدَ الْآيَةِ عَلَى السَّبَبِ الَّذِي يَقَعُ فِي الْأَرْضِ Also, there is the point of Allah speaking when He wills. Because here now this incident occurred upon the earth Those men and in their homes this incident took place At the point of that incident Then Allah revealed that ayah Indicating therefore that Allah speaks when he wills That ayah spoken from the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And then the shaykh he quotes several other benefits regarding that point but the purpose here is to highlight that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the attribute of hearing the attribute of knowledge 
And we've mentioned and spoken about those attributes in the past before. Some of the other details mentioned in the narration. إِنْ كَانَ يَسْمَعُ إِذَا جَهَرْنَا فَإِنَّهُ يَسْمَعُ إِنَخْفَيْنَا وَهُمْ مِنْ بَابِ قِيَاسِ الْأَوْلَى وَوَجْهُ ذَلِكَ لِأَنَّهُ إِذَا كَانَ لَا يَمْنَعُهُ بَعْدُهُمْ مِنْ سَمَاعِ مَا نَجْهَرُ بِهِ فَلَنْ يَمْنَعُهُ مِنْ سَمَاعِ مَا نَخْفِي When the man said, if Allah can hear us when we're speaking out loud, then certainly Allah can hear us when we're quiet too. Meaning at this distance of ours, if Allah can hear us when we're speaking loud, then certainly at this distance it makes no difference. Allah can hear us still, even if we're quiet. And that is a type of understanding that is correct there. That of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can hear you in your silence, in your concealment of your speech, or in speaking out loud with your speech. Then after that, باب قول الله تعالى كل يوم هو في شأن Every day and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is upon an affair. Every day something is being decreed. This ayah is also something we discussed briefly, albeit, in the topic of the decree. Where does this ayah come in to the topic of the decree? Where specifically, what example? Mm -hmm. Anybody else? Where would this ayah be applicable in the chapter of the decree? The daily decree, what's that? Where does that come into the context of the decree? You gotta explain better than that. Anybody else? Some of the answers were along the right lines, but they need more detail. Hmm? So the decree we've mentioned is written in the preserved tablet. That is the decree. Are there other decrees? Like what about the decree on Laylatul Qadr? Isn't there a decree on the night of Laylatul Qadr? The decree for the year? Is there not a decree for the unborn child when the angel is sent? The life of that child, how long is going to live? Isn't that a decree there? So are there other types of decrees too? These other types are just subsections of the overall decree. 
One of those subsections of the overall decree is the daily decree. And this ayah is an evidence for that. Every day and there is an affair. That Allah is decreeing an affair. So that is what Imam al-Bukhari quotes as the chapter heading here. And then, مَا يَأْتِيهِم مِّن ذِكْرٍ مِّن رَبِّهِم مُحْدَثٍ وَقَوْلُهُ تَعَالَى لَعَلَّ اللَّهَ يُحْدِثُ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ أَمْرًا وَأَنَّ حَدَثَهُ لَا يُشْبِهُ حَدَثَ الْمَخْلُوقِينَ لِقَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ وَهُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْبَصِيرُ وقال ابن مسعود عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الله يحدث من أمره ما يشاء وَإِنَّ مِمَّا أَحْدَثَ أَلَّا تَكَلَّمُوا فِي الصَّلَاةِ ساق البخاري رحمه الله هذا الباب وهو مهم بالنسبة لأفعال الله عز وجل لإثبات أن لله تعالى صفات هي أفعال يفعلها متى شاء ويصح أن يطلق عليها حادثة لكنها ليست كحدوث المخلوقين التي قد يعتريها العجز وقد يعتريها الخفاء وما أشبه ذلك من نواقص حوادث المخلوقين يقول الله عز وجل يسأله من في السماوات والأرض فكل من في السماوات والأرض يسألون الله مفتقرين مفتقرين إليه This chapter then here now it's talking about the actions of Allah سبحانه وتعالى The actions of Allah سبحانه وتعالى and there are attributes of Allah which are his actions but again the Shaykh highlights the same point that we've always mentioned whenever talking about the attributes of Allah when affirming the attributes of Allah that you affirm the attributes of Allah but you do not make any resemblance to the attributes of creation we affirm these actions to Allah but they are not like the actions of us in the creation. Us, we have weaknesses, we have deficiencies, we have shortcomings. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no deficiency, has no shortcoming, has no uh, uh, any type of weakness. So here when it says, Every day and Allah is upon an affair. Meaning, يُغْنِي فَقِيرًا وَيُفْقِرُ غَنِيًّا يُوجِدُ مَعْدُومًا وَيُعْدِمُ مَوْجُودًا يُمْرِضُ صَحِيحًا وَيَشْفِي مَرِيضًا Every day there is an affair that is occurring. Every day there is something that is upon the decree. So for example, Allah enriches a poor person. Somebody is poor. Tomorrow he wakes up and something happens in his life that makes him rich. And maybe somebody else who is rich today, tomorrow, something is decreed for them and they lose their wealth and they become poor. And Allah brings into existence something that was non-existent. And makes non-existent something that was there and existing. And Allah may decree a person one day after being in good health to become ill. And another day a person who was ill to become healthy. Every day there is an affair that is occurring. There is the decree 
that is occurring and just like this every day then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is upon that decree that affair that is occurring and this affair the daily affair isn't just one thing not just one thing per day but multiple affairs occurring every day such that we cannot enumerate them only Allah even the number of people right now the number of people on the earth right now with all of the technology and all of the advancement and all of the Google Earth with the pictures everywhere is there an exact figure of the number of people upon the earth there is an approximate number, an estimation. We do not even know the number of people to the exact number at any given moment in time. Let alone what is occurring in the lives of every one of those people at any given time. So here now the affairs that are occurring every day, they are not, we cannot enumerate them. We cannot enumerate the affairs and what is happening on a daily basis what is being decreed on a daily basis because everything none of it occurs except by the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Shaykh al-Athameen says لو أردت أن تحصي أجناس المخلوقات ما استطعت if you try to count how many species there are on this planet is there an exact figure for that there is not how many species let alone the numbers just the number of species we do not know to this day they keep telling you a new species of such and such has been discovered in this part of the ocean a new species of caterpillar has been discovered in this part of the rainforest so the Sheikh says, if you were going to try and count the number of species and give a figure for it, you wouldn't even be able to do that. So then, what therefore of the subcategories of all of those species? Species, okay, you have, even if you make it broad, you say that there are mammals. And there are, or if you break it down, and there are birds, and there are carnivores, and there are overall categories of species. You can't even enumerate them. But then the types within each one. How many types of different birds are there altogether on this earth? How many types of birds are there? How many different birds? Who knows? There is no exact figure for it, they will not tell you. Even now they'll say a new species of bird was discovered in the Amazon and this and that. No figure on the number of species, the types within those species, let alone the actual count. So now you have the species of birds, you have the type which is the eagle. How many eagles are there on this planet right now? Impossible to know that, impossible to know how many different categories and species of them there are. Impossible, these figures we don't even have. Quite 
كل يومه هو في شأن عظيم من شؤونه عز وجل يفعل ما يشاء so all of those animals all of those insects all of those species places on this planet that mankind does not been to to this day and all of those Allah controls everything and decrees everything of it وَأَيْضًا يَدُلُّ يدل على أن الحوادث تكون بأمره also that the, the fact that incidents and affairs occur by the will of Allah by the command of Allah وأنه يحدث من خلقه ما يشاء and that Allah brings about in his creation what he wills ويحدث من شرعه ما شاء وقت نزول الوحي and also at the time of the revelation that Allah reveals that revelation at the occurrence of certain events in that decree. أما بعد وفاة الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم فإنه لا يمكن أن يحدث شيء في الشرع أو لا يتغير. After the death of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, what we do know is that the Sharia will not change. There is no change that will come in the Sharia of Allah سبحانه وتعالى after the death of the Prophet The ayah which was quoted here That you do not know maybe Allah will bring about some affair after that And this ayah it is quoted in the context of divorce فَإِنَّهُ يَجِبُ أَن تَبْقَى فِي بَيْتِهَا the woman after the divorce in that period, in that idda, remains in the home. لِأَنَّهُ رُبَّمَا تَصْلُحُ الْأَحْوَالِ وَيَنْقَلِبْ بُغْضُ الزَّوْجِ لَهَا مَحَبَّةِ During that period, maybe things change. Maybe something happens between the husband and the wife and rectification occurs. Maybe that anger and hatred that existed between them, maybe it drops between them and love comes back between them. The ayah says, you do not know, maybe some affair will be brought about after that. So these are all examples being mentioned of the decree of Allah and Allah uh, uh, bringing about the affairs that occur. But as well as we said, as always, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ That there is nothing like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is nothing in resemblance to Allah. وَهُوَ السَّمِعُ الْبَصِيرُ but he is the all-hearing and the all-seeing. That ayah is the foundational ayah for what? For the names and attributes. When you talk about Tawheedul Asma'i wa Sifat, the fundamental foundational principal ayah is that ayah. Because it indicates within it an affirmation of the names and attributes of Allah but at the same time a negation of any resemblance or comparison there is nothing like unto Allah but that doesn't mean you then negate the attributes affirm the attributes he is the all hearing the all seeing that is the foundational ayah there was a student once at the University of Medina in the master's program and when you do the masters the first year 
is your preparatory year. You have classes, you go in, they teach you, you have actual seminars, classes in the first year. Then you have three years to write your thesis. By the end of the first year, you're supposed to put your proposal forward. What your title of your thesis is going to be, what you're going to research for the next three years in a topic of Aqeedah, if you're in the Aqeedah faculty. And you present that to the committee of professors in Aqeedah, Aqeedah professors. They look at your proposal and they decide whether to give it the green stamp of approval or to cross it as rejected. So one student, one occasion, he put his proposal across in Aqeedah and the proposal was to discuss and to analyze the ayah laysa kamithlihi shay' wa huwa al basir so that student in aqeedah masters in aqeedah puts down the core of aqeedah as his proposal the ayah laysa kamithlihi shay' so then the committee had a look at his proposal and did they accept it or reject it the core of aqeedah Reject the core of Aqeedah, astaghfirullah. So they rejected it. Why would they reject that? The core fundamental ayah. He didn't complete the year, he dropped out? No, that's a different story. Ah, that's like in, in, the, in the Arabic college. Well, this one story leads to another. We will come back to this one. In the Arabic college, when we were in the, uh, uh, the Shu'ba, they used to call it in those days, where you learn your Arabic for a couple of years before, if you pass that, then you get to go to the degree, hadith or whatever you want to do. In the Arabic, there was a, a, an exam paper question once. The exam paper question said, imagine you're sitting on a camel and you're walking on the camel, you're going on the ride on the camel through Medina. Describe what you see. You know, in Arabic, this was in the exam for conversational Arabic. So they wanted you to write a mini story to see how good you can write in Arabic. Just describe. They gave you this scenario. You're on a camel. The camel is taking you on a ride through Medina. Explain what you see. Ra'aytul masjida wa ra'aytul this and you know all these things. So then one guy he was writing it, writing his story. A teacher was telling us this. One of the examiners afterwards. He said the student that was checking his paper. He was writing his story and the camel. We went past Masjid Quba. Qiblatain, uh, we went past masjid here, masjid there, I saw this, I saw that, and then I got to masjid al-Qiblatain, which is only just past the main gates of the university, half an hour walk. I got to al-masjid al-Qiblatain, and the camel died. He got stuck, he couldn't write anything else. He didn't know what else to write in his answer, he didn't have any other Arabic to... The camel died, rahimahullah, that's it. Got stuck, didn't know. So where were we with the first story? The Aqeedah one. So why was it rejected? This is the fundamental ayah in Aqeedah. Why would it be rejected? Because there is nothing new to mention in it. You're doing a thesis in Aqeedah. A thesis for three years. You're going to write a book on a topic where the scholars for 1400 years have clarified and explained everything about. That ayah is the fundamental what is there left to explain on that ayah that the scholars haven't explained in the last 1400 years? 
So they rejected it for that purpose. But the point being that is the foundation which has been clarified and explained centuries and centuries by the scholars of Ahlul Sunnah throughout history. That is what we're going to round off on tonight. We'll start with the next hadith next week, inshallah ta'ala. Again, we'll aim for 8.15 p.m. We'll aim for that. So let's everyone try and get here for 8.15 p.m. Inshallah ta'ala, we'll aim for that. Any questions or anything to add? Is there a question on the advice? No, there's a question about the advice. Yeah, there's a question about the advice of Sheikh Bin Bas. And then you had a. Oh, go on, go on, go on. Sheikh Bin Bas, Allah stated, So if you see a man following the circus of knowledge and attendance, and he asks about knowledge, and he acquires understanding and insight into it through studying, so that if from the, the signs that Allah wants goodness for him, so let, so let him stick to that way and strive and not become bored or weak. You read this advice, it's the one I translated. So go on, what's the question about it? No. Well, where, where is that from the advice? Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah So in that advice, generally, it mentions by Sheikh Bin Baz and Sheikh Al-Fawzan about striving to attend the classes and that it's a sign of goodness for the one who attends classes. And basically that it's a sign of badness or a sign that goodness was not intended for a person who abandons classes. Basically, the meaning of that is general to what the scholars always say with these types of affairs. If a person is not gaining knowledge and not seeking knowledge, then that is a sign of badness. Because the narration says that. Which narration? مَن يُرِيدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا يُفَقِّهُ فِي الدِّينِ Whomsoever Allah wants goodness for, then Allah gives that person uh, understanding, precise understanding, scholars say, of the religion. Many scholars have uh, commented upon that narration and said, Therefore, 
somebody who is not given knowledge of the religion it's a sign of the opposite that it's not goodness for him and that's clear a person who is jahil doesn't know how to worship Allah properly doesn't understand how to practice his religion properly is he upon a state of goodness or a person who has knowledge of who Allah is how to practice his religion how to obey how to be obedient is that person upon goodness the point isn't that Allah wants evil for a person we've discussed that again in the topic of the decree we spoke about it there as well in the topic of the decree the point is that a person who isn't striving for knowledge isn't attending gatherings of knowledge isn't making any effort for learning his religion then they are signs of goodness or badness for him signs of badness if he's gonna be lazy not gonna bother with his religion not gonna bother to learn why he's praying who he's praying to who his Lord is what the Sunnah is if you're not gonna bother with any of that you're gonna abandon the gatherings of knowledge you're going to abandon the sittings of Quran and Hadith the sittings of knowledge you're gonna abandon all of that then nobody's gonna say that's a sign of goodness for you certainly that's a sign of badness for you and that's what it is it's not uh, anything more than that anything else prayers at 9 30 anything else then in that case we'll conclude for today was the homework then or not there should be some homework this week i think it was a poor performance so homework is going to be what what's the homework going to be for this week what we did last lecture the homework is gonna be then somebody asks you the question tell me what you Salafis say about Aqeedah say about Tawheed what is your position on that since you're always talking about it explain that so next week should be able to explain that in a few lines clarifying the answer to that question Somebody asks you, what is your position on Aqeedah and Tawheed and all these things? What do you believe regarding those affairs? How are we going to answer that question? We did it all last lecture. So revise that and have a look at that. Every lecture you should be revising it afterwards. There are some brothers here, they get together and they revise. Everybody else too, participate. Get together in your groups and revise the lectures, revise the work that you do. This knowledge is important. Now we've almost finished the book, almost getting to the end of the book now. And after this, the plan as the brothers intend is to do the other Kitab al-Tawheed, the more famous one, the one of a Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, which is chapter by chapter explaining the different categories of Tawheed and the different categories of Shirk. So it talks about magic, it talks about the Taweez as they call it, wearing those things talks about uh, cursing the wind, talks about uh, omens, Friday the 13th, all of these different topics, a variety of topics come in there. So these books, one by one, you're supposed to comprehend them and get a grasp of them. It's not just the point of having finished it and saying, I finished Kitab al-Tawheed from Sahih al-Bukhari. 
but you don't remember any of it or any of the parts of it. So focus on this. It's only one class a week here. It's one class a week in Manchester. You should focus on it properly. The locals, the residents who come, some brothers that come from other places, they may have classes in their localities too. But here at least, the ones who attend, then you should make a focus on these studies, memorize, go over it, listen to the recordings, listen, get the chapter, get the books. There's the workbook we've made. You can get the workbook from the brothers from the office, print it off, download it, bring that, look at the hadith we're covering every week. That is the way of knowledge for yourselves, for your families, for your kids to really benefit. So inshallah ta'ala will carry on with that next week. And nobody should uh, feel like they've been picked out. I only pick out the ones who can be picked out. The ones who know it's okay to be picked out. The students. There is a difference. That's not a, that's not a joke. There is a difference between students and those who are what you, you know, the, the, the general people who may come to class otherwise. The students, they are the ones who get battered. That is the way it is. Over there in Medina too. That's how it used to be. In the, the, in the classes, in the, in the haram, elsewhere, when you go outside. And the, uh, the, I mean, Sheikh Ali Nasr al-Faqihi. When we used to be in class with Sheikh Ali Nasr al-Faqihi in the haram. So they used to be hujjaj. Hujjaj, they, they get the easy card. The students who used to be sitting there, any of them puts one foot wrong. And you would get the battering for that night. You would get it properly from the Sheikh. And this is from, if you really know about it, from the etiquettes also. It is from the etiquettes that the, the scholars, not from us here, we don't have that status here, but the scholars, that they would teach their students a lesson, that they would put them in their place. We don't have that status here, but the scholars, they used to do that with the students, to tell them off, properly tell them off, to teach them a lesson, to put them in their place, because that is good for the student. It is good for the student to be put in his place by his sheikh and to recognize his etiquettes and how he should behave and what he should do. It's all good for the student to have that ta'deeb, have that teaching of manners from his sheikh to him. We don't do that here. We don't have that status here. I'm talking about the scholars only. But that is something which is good for the students there. And you see it happening. And you, if you saw... How some of the mashayikh sometimes dealt with some of the students. Then, I mean, if we did that here, I'd be kicked out. Wouldn't even be invited back to give any classes. We can't do that stuff here. But that's with the mashayikh and with their real students. The ones who understand. It's a part of it. A part of the studying and learning process sometimes. Anyway, we'll conclude upon that praise now. So, we'll conclude. Carry on next week, inshallah. We'll aim for 8.15, inshallah.